please. Let's ask God to bless his word to us. Heavenly Father, as we come to look at the scriptures, we pray today that you would bless us and that you would enrich us. May your name be glorified. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm going to change the reading a little, not much, but a little. And first of all, I want you to turn with me uh, to, the, uh, to Psalm 118. And I want to read just um, a few verses from there. Um, Psalm 118 verses 19 through 24. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Then turn to the prophecy of Isaiah. And there we'll read uh, from verses 14 uh, through, um, uh, through 18. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol, we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Therefore thus says the Lord, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. And hail will sweep away the refuge of lies. And waters will overwhelm the shelter. Then your covenant with death will be annulled. And your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through. And you will be beaten down. And then turn back. Uh, again in Isaiah, and this time to chapter 5. And the verse, first seven verses in chapter 5. <clears throat> Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. 
He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard than I have done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it then yield wild grapes? And now I tell you that I w what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste, it shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up, and I will command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold bloodshed, for righteousness, and behold a cry. And then finally to the passage that I want us to consider very briefly this morning, and that is in Matthew, the 21st chapter. And verses 33 through to the end of the chapter. Here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard. And he put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it. And built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. Does this sound familiar to you? I hope it does. When the season for fruit drew near... He sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. And have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out to the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give them the fruits in their season. Jesus said to them, have you never heard in scripture the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush them. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, open up your word to us this morning and bless us as we hear what you have to say to us. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. These words are very solemn words. And whilst they were initially uh, delivered to the Jews, of course, uh, they are applicable to us as well. Because sometimes, maybe all the time, people be, are very boastful. We've got our act together. I'm, a, I'm an American by adoption. I'm not an American. I was not born American. You can tell by my accent that I, I don't come from around here. And, uh, and I've adopted this country. And sometimes, don't you find it irritating when people say that we're Americans and we uh, adopt the um, uh, Declaration of Independence and, and all those things, that we're safe as houses. Nothing can happen to us. Uh, the Chinese cannot invade us because we're surrounded by water. Um, the Canadians will never attack us. Um, and I don't think the Mexicans will either. Uh, we, we're a big, strong country. But not only that, people within the country, we tell of the gospel, and, and, and people boast that they don't need the gospel. You know that. None of you, from the children here, you, you will see people today not going to church at all. They'll just be playing in the yard. They'll, uh, the, your children, your friends will be saying, come out and play, enjoy yourself. It's Sunday, nobody's around. As though they could live this way. And, and when you say, even you children, if you say, well, we go to church on a Sunday, uh, people will laugh at you. Well, you know, why, why do you do that? What's the point of it? There's no point. We are safe. We are captains of our fate and the masters of our soul. We have no problems. Do you like boastful people? I, I'm afraid uh, when people come to me and tell me that they know this and they know that and they can do this, they can do that, it, it irritates me at best. Well, at worst, it irritates me at best. It really makes me want to punch them in the nose. I, you know, I've been a minister of the gospel for 56, 57 years, and, and youngsters will come to me, young men out of seminary that I meet from time to time, and, and when I suggest something, they look at me as though I just landed, and I, because I, I didn't go to their seminary. Or they, because they weren't, I wasn't instructed by them or by their teachers. What do I know? Well, that's fine. What do I know? But this I do know, that boastfulness of any kind is the reason why this parable was written and spoken. Because you have here, you see, three important features. The first is this that we cannot take for granted our safety outside of Christ. We cannot 
boast. Because this is what the Jews are doing, you see. They were saying, like we read from Isaiah, we read, did we not, that the people said, we have made a covenant with death. We cannot be touched by any issue, difficulty or problem. And several of you may have done the same thing. Maybe some of you are doing it even now. Nothing can damage us. You can talk about Jesus and you can talk about the gospel and you can talk about the church. We don't need it, really. We've come today because our neighbors invited us or because we always come here or whatever. But we don't really need the gospel. We, uh, we, we want to live our lives a tidy life, uh, a, a good life, uh, a generous life. We want to be kind to our neighbors. We want to help people. Uh, we want to give to charity. But we don't need all this talk about the gospel. But see, that's what the Jews were doing in this very parable. Jesus is telling them the very right thing to understand. God gave us this world, and more than that, he gave us his son. And to be indifferent to the son is totally foolish in the extreme. And that's the sad part, you see, that, that to, to, to do that is so dangerous. This is what Paul, this is what the Lord Jesus is saying in this very parable. He's reminding them that if they ignore him, it'll be painful. Look, he says, what will happen to these tenants? He says to the scribes and Pharisees, to whom he's speaking. What, what do you think should happen to those uh, people who have killed the son of the, uh, of the vineyard owner? Uh, what should they do? And, and they said, and it's, it's not made clear who they are, but we can take it for granted that it included, at the very least, the priests and the Pharisees, because they were there, they heard these parables, we were told. And they perceived that he was speaking about them. But the crowd would have said it. Remember? Remember something about this crowd? What you, should you remember? In four days, they're going to be shouting, crucify him. They've, they've just welcomed him. Chapter 21 begins with that very statement that he comes to Jerusalem. And we're told... When they drew near, uh, they, they, took, uh, they, they came, he says, uh, and, and the crowds went before him and they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. This crowd, these people to whom Jesus is speaking, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is the crowd. And these are the high priests. And the Pharisees and the scribes, these are the people who say he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants. And these scribes and Pharisees 
of course, knew the scripture. They would have known that Isaiah passage that that we read a a moment ago in chapter 5. They would know the prophecy of Isaiah. And what did he say in that? The very thing that Jesus has just said, that he will destroy those who rob him of his glory. And that's something that we need to understand in the second place. Whilst in the first place, we are being warned. Second place, what do we deserve? Well, we deserve death. And the Lord Jesus piles that on by quoting and reminding them of the prophecy from the Psalms, which is repeated in Isaiah and which is to be found scattered throughout the scriptures. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It was marvelous in our eyes. But it goes on. On whom the stone falls will be broken in pieces. And if they fall on it, they will be killed. So that's the second thing we need to remember. The first is that we are being warned. The second thing is that we're being reminded of what the scriptures say. That's why scripture repeats itself. It isn't because the authors are, you know, I didn't know that. (laughs) I I have a friend, a very dear friend, and uh, uh, he wrote a book. And uh, he quoted people in the book, but basically he just wrote the book. It was a very learned book very good he just repeated something and uh, said things and uh, and made comments with without saying who he'd come from because he didn't know because he is a student and he's a, a very brilliant man well of course somebody found out and said you quoted so and so you quoted why didn't you say that and my friend said I didn't know I didn't know. Well, lots of people might say, you see, of these, uh, of these people quoting the Lord Jesus, quoting these um, things. Well, maybe Jesus had forgotten that somebody else had said them. No, no, that wouldn't be true for Jesus because he knows everything. And what he's saying, he said it by the Spirit in Isaiah, he said it in the Psalms, and he said it here that Jesus is reminding them who the Son is, who they want to kill. He is the one who reminds them what the Scriptures have said. And, And you and I need to remember that. We need to remember that the Scriptures are always true. And the Lord Jesus is reminding them of what he has said by the Word through the prophecy and the Psalms that there is great danger in losing sight of Christ. But the third thing he says is also encouraging, and it's this, that the Lord's doing is marvelous in our eyes. Isn't that wonderful that Jesus would make that promise? What the Lord is doing is marvelous in our eyes. How can that be? 
How can destruction and death be marvelous? Well, because in the first place, for those who have come to faith, they have discovered the riches of eternity. It's marvelous. When did you become a Christian? Are you a Christian? Do you know what it is to have Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you come to faith? Have you believed upon him? Look, if you haven't, now's the time. Not because I said it, not because I'm good at doing anything. It's because it is the set time to favor you. He is telling you, he is pleading with you through his word here, come while it's still day, come while there's still hope. And why should I come? Because I can build my life in a meaningful way. What is this cornerstone? It's a foundation for everything. That, that's why we sang that hymn. I chose uh, that, that, uh, that hymn, um, 265. Um, what, what, is, what do the authors say? Our hope is in Jesus Christ. In life, in death, this is your hope. It's him and him alone. Well, this is what he's saying here. This is the Lord's doing. He destroys all those who oppose him. And he brings life and comfort and solidity and purpose to the life of him that believes it. There is a sad tale to this story, isn't there? That the chief priests and Pharisees heard and perceived he was talking about them. No, are you like them? Oh, well, you know, you may say, uh, okay, this chap with a funny accent said this or that. And, uh, uh, or are you saying, no, no, it isn't because he's got a funny accent. It isn't because we know a bit about him because he's someone from somewhere else. I'm telling you these things that you would believe. Let me make some application of these things. The first is this, that you can have a privilege and yet not be saved. You can have the privilege. The scribes and the Pharisees heard this message. What a privilege. People say to me, uh, and uh, when I was a youngster particularly, uh, it was very fashionable for preachers to say, if Jesus walked in the room now, would you believe in him? Well, <laughs> if he walked into the room dressed like a Jew, you'd say, huh, what's he doing here? Who's that guy? Wouldn't believe in him. If he was dressed like me, you'd say, oh, well, he's an old-fashioned guy who wears a suit and he doesn't, and he wears a tie, and uh, that doesn't follow, do you know. You can be privileged to have the greatest person in front of you and still not believe what they say. I, I can illustrate it. Um, a couple of months ago, um, President Biden went to Florida. Now, he's the greatest man in our country, uh, believe it or believe it not. 
and um, he's our president and the scriptures demand that we show allegiance to our president uh, to respect those in office and do you know who shook his hand? Well, Ron DeSantis, who is the governor of Florida, who doesn't agree with a single thing that President Biden is doing. He shook him by the hand, but didn't agree with him. He didn't say, oh, President Biden, thank you for coming. I won't criticize you anymore. You're so kind. No, he's running to be president. And the same would be true for you. If Jesus walked in here, you wouldn't know who he was because it would prove that your eyes were blinded. But if he walked in here and he said one word to you and you're a Christian, you'd know. You'd know. <coughs> well, these, these Pharisees and scribes, they, they saw Jesus. They heard him. They knew he was talking about them. They recognized that they were guilty. They had the privilege of hearing and seeing Jesus. And they didn't believe on him. Think of that. You have had a privilege today of hearing the word of God read. You've sung God's praise. Don't follow that you will be a believer. Don't go out from here and say, well, I went to church, which means I'm a believer. Nonsense. If you don't have Christ in your heart, you're not a believer. The second point I want to make to you is this, that faith is not a natural act. You see, that's the reason that these men did not believe on Jesus, because it's not natural. It's supernatural. It's the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes to the gospel. And he alone. That's the only way by which you come to faith in Christ. Is by believing upon him. And in doing his will. You can say you're a Christian. And still be a rank unbeliever. You can say you're a Christian and be a Christian. And still do nothing. That shows you to be a Christian. You can curse and swear. I, I hear of it all the time. Young people particularly. Whose lives and whose uh, conversation and whose opinions are totally removed from being a believer. They have a low view of the church. They have a low view of of the organization of the church. They have a low view of the Bible. They think the Bible is, is, is really of no great value at all. You hear about it in the news. You, you. People think that faith is a natural act. It isn't. It's supernatural. And it's only as you are enlightened day by day will you understand what God is saying. Have you not read, says Jesus, have you never read the scripture? Earlier in this very, in this very pas passage, he says, um, or in this, this chapter, um, he says in chapter 21, and uh, they talk and he says, have you, Jesus said to them, have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing babies and infants? You have prepared praise. 
You've got to know the scriptures. You've got to read God's word. And you've got to have the Holy Spirit enlighten you. This is what this passage is saying. Have you never read? Have you never understood the scriptures? And many of us would have to say, wouldn't we? We've read the Bible, but we haven't understood a word it says. When you read the scriptures, find a place quietly. Take your Bible. If it's only 10 minutes in the morning, if it's only half an hour at lunchtime, if it's just plead with God to open his word to you that you might understand what the scriptures are saying because it's important. You must understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is a cornerstone prepared by God to build your life on. Uh, in one of the commentaries I met, I read as I was preparing this, it talked about uh, a, a foundation stone that had been prepared but had, had a flaw in it. And it was something like, uh, oh, I can't remember, it was something like eight yards long. <laughs> Builders nowadays wouldn't know what that was. Eight yards long, three yards deep, two yards wide. And that was going to be a cornerstone in the building of a temple, as it happened. Huge. But there was a flaw in it. And so they couldn't use it, and that's why it was available to be seen. Now, the Lord Jesus is an an un damaged foundation stone it's there to build our lives on it and to know the power of godliness and if you're going to build your life on Jesus Christ you've got to have the Holy Spirit enlighten you the third thing I want to point out to you is the amazing grace of God in telling us the issues Look at it here. The Lord Jesus is telling the men who are going to crucify him who he is. He's telling the, the chief priests and the Pharisees heard these parables. They heard Jesus speaking. And they rejected it. The people are too strong for us. They'll remove us. They'll do damage to us. They won't listen to us. We won't have our authority, they said. But look at the amazing grace of God. I'm still telling them. You know, nobody will go to hell ignorant. Nobody. God will have been gracious enough to tell them what they were doing and where they were going. Of course, you'll say there are people who've never heard the gospel. True. But they've lived in the world. The heaven declares the glory of God. We can sing. We can read. Isn't that true? Even in the most pagan of cultures, people will worship naturally. They, and they will worship the stars and the moon and, uh, and the sun and, and all those things. And we can rationalize about it. Really, it's God declaring himself. And there are intelligent people. My wife and I were, were watching um, some program or other on public radio, public, public TV. And they're talking about uh, stars 
and uh, astronomers and uh, people studying the uh, the space uh, studying space and and one of the things they've discovered listen to this one of the things they've discovered is that the stars are illuminated they, they they're not they're not dead bodies they're illuminated you can see them and the, and this one woman said this one astronomer said we were amazed we wondered where the light came from I know, and I, I only, I can barely see the stars. I, I know. Who made the heavens? Well, it was God. If you don't know, then why don't you know? Because you've closed your mind. God lit the heavens. And the last thing I want to say is this. You will never build your life without building it on Christ if you don't trust in him if you don't have him accompany you on every step you youngsters right from childhood if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus you won't do what you should do you won't obey you won't take orders from anyone when you're told to get an education so that you can read and write, you think it's too hard and too difficult and too awkward. And, and, what, and if you do get it, uh, you, you want then the honors that go with that without ever living it. You, if you would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will understand, you will grow, and you will make a life. You, you young people, I'm sure that some of you uh, would like to be married. You, you can't get married if, uh, to someone who doesn't embrace the gospel. And if anybody embraces the gospel and you don't, they shouldn't marry you. And you should, you will not have a life worth living. Throughout our lives, we've got to build our lives on Jesus Christ. This was the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. You see, the title of my sermon was uh, um, The Beginning of the End. Well, it's not, it was the beginning of the end in terms of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, his mortal life on earth. But really, it, this is the way we start so that when our lives end, we can be with Christ. It's this alone that allows us to have a life that is built on Jesus Christ, is to reject what the world offers as life and embrace what Christ offers as eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as our Saviour and our Lord. Come near to us, we pray. Comfort us with your presence. Poke our consciences that we would look to see that our foundation is on Jesus Christ, for that is marvellous beyond words. We pray this in his name and for his sake.